I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. This episode is part of the silver lining theme in which I will try to explore some of the bright side of the COVID-19 crisis with some of my wisest friends. So my guest today is my dear, dear, dear friend, Karen Guggenheim. Karen and I connected for the first time in 2017, connected really by a shared experience of loss, sadly. At the time, I was planning to launch Soul for Happy to honor my child, and Karen also had a traumatic event in her life that led her to launch the Wuhatsu Foundation, of which she's the executive director today, and also the, the World Happiness Summit, which is one of my favorite events of the year. I've, we've connected on an initiative to spread happiness around the world. And uh, that got us really close, and Karen, I've been to every World Happiness Summit enjoyed the company of incredible people, incredible thinkers, and even guests and invitees that enlighten you to eye-opening experiences, all centered around our happiness and our focus on ourselves and self-love and presence and mindfulness. And it's really an incredible experience until this year, when unfortunately, six days before the event, because of the COVID-19 spread, we had to cancel the event. That was not the only trauma I'm aware that Karen has gone through as a result of the spread of the virus. And I'm just so excited to spend time with you today, Karen, to speak about your experience and sort of inspire a few of us of how you went through this. Let me first thank you so much for being here. And I'd like to to start with a sentence that you told me when we were catching up that this experience for you in the last few weeks has been a bit like going to war. Can you tell me about that? First of all, thank you, Mo, for having me on your podcast. It's an honor to be with you and to be with all the people that are listening. Very much important to our mission is to spread this idea of, of happiness as a choice and how we can transform our lives, even when we face huge challenges. So for for me, I, you mentioned traumas and how we connected. So seven years ago, I, I lost my husband and he died of the flu. So this current situation with COVID kind of hits home because I lived it in a different way seven years ago. And now on a business level, as well as a personal level, it's hitting home because I've had a loved one who was sick with COVID and, and had to be hospitalized and now is doing well, thank God. But um, being there to help during that time, in that scary time, brought back a lot of memories from the past for me. And certainly when you have a loved one that you care very much for and are very connected with, it's so difficult to see them isolated because this disease, unfortunately, also, also isolates us from our loved ones who we just want to be able to comfort in these times. And so during the time that that was happening and the challenges of that, it's like you're doing, so you're supporting, you're doing, you're giving. And then when the person is now okay and there's resolution, then you begin to have some of 
what I'm experiencing is like trauma after that because you give your life force, your energy, your love, your attention, your compassion, your understanding. I mean, I cannot tell you how important two things I found out through this experience right now with COVID. One is the power of positivity and doing deep meditations and sending your thoughts to your cells in your body and actually telling them, let's work together, let's oxygenate, even talking to your alveoli and sending the message and envisioning your alveoli being effective and giving the valuable, beautiful oxygen to our red blood cells and then passing it all through your body and like just being on this mindset of this marathon that you're running and sending everything you have within your power to put your system to really fight this. So that was that's one, the the meditations, the positive meditations, and then the breathing, the conscious breathing, because in this disease, it's a respiratory disease. So you have to really breathe deeply. And that's where my, you know, I've been practicing yoga for over 20 years. And so the power of the breath is incredible. And the scientific, you can look at the science around it, what happens when you do purposeful breathing and how the reactions from your body, from releasing the hormones, the feel-good hormones, regulating your heartbeat, increasing oxygenation in your lungs by increasing lung capacity. So they're endless things. So the training that I've had in the last five or six years specifically around putting together the World Happiness Summit along with my partner, Manuel Pietra, has really been a lifesaver right now because in addition to the business impact, you mentioned that the summit was postponed to next year, six days before we were going to have the University of Miami, our official host, said, you know, we're not having any non-essential meetings on campus, which of course we, you know. I believe Wahatsu is essential, but anyway, go on. (laughs) Yes. So we had incurred all the costs. So the very real costs and because it's six days before. So from merchandising to set designs to the air tickets for all the speakers and the hotels and the decorations, production, just everything. So we had to pivot from that and what we did, Manuel and I decided to turn through the foundation's work to create the Wahasu community platform. So there we're having a mixture of free content and then you know we have a membership part, which you know we're a foundation, so we do need to have funds, especially after the huge hit that we just took. So it's two dollars and ninety-nine cents, which is less than a cent a day. So the idea here, we keep it super, super, super low so that we get a lot of people to put in their bit so we can have this going forward. So we can have speakers from the summit coming in and giving webinars. Many are giving, you know, whether it's a fantastic teaching or an experience or, or a series, right, to help people during this time because you and I were discussing how this can also be an opportunity. And so I personally have experienced post-traumatic growth from trauma. Let me ask you about this, Karen. This is really important for me. So when we started our conversation, you know, when we were preparing for the podcast and I understood how difficult it has been for you over the last few weeks, I asked you, why are you doing this? I mean, we can record this any other time. And then when you described this to me and the efforts that you've put in in the middle of all of this difficulty and hardship and trauma, I asked you again, why are you doing this? Why are you so driven to deliver a message of happiness? And why 
are you talking to me right now? I mean, shouldn't you be relaxing after such a traumatic experience? A couple of things. One is it's so rewarding for me to be able to help people. That's something that, again, my partner Manuel and I, you know, from the beginning, we just wanted to help people and helping people feel better, but in particular, people who have suffered, right? Because there is a ointment or a remedy to feeling better. There is. It requires work and discipline. So in this sense, it's twofold. One is I love to help people and I know the impact. I know that this works. I know that practicing principles behind the science of happiness, well-being, mindset, uh, resiliency, all these things really, really do work. And so that's one thing. But on the other hand, it keeps me honest. So when I'm talking to you, when I'm participating in these webinars, we were honored to have the Broward County public school system ask us to come and help them with their online uh, mental health training. This is the district that two years ago and unfortunately experienced the shootings of the kids in the Marjorie Stone Douglas High School. And we had some teachers come to the summit that year. They came last year as well. And so they're acquainted with what we're doing and they asked us to come in. Can you imagine to help kids that are already traumatized? And this is another traumatized experience and the teachers and the faculty. And so to be able to, to go there and to have the experts and volunteer their time, their energy. And what I want to give a shout out also are to these amazing, amazing experts such as yourself. Many are professional speakers. And from one day to the other, their income just stopped. Mm-hmm. You know, because conferences have stopped and all these things. And these are the greatest social thinkers of our time, yeah. okay? And these are the people that we need the most now to get us, one, through this. And number two, on the other side, because, you know, the CDC is showing that about 50% of people are going to have some kind of anxiety disorder or post-traumatic syndrome. But we have one thing that we were talking about this earlier. We have time. We have time right now. We have come to a standstill. What are we going to do with the time that we have now? So this doesn't mean that we're not freaking out. We're not scared, anxious, because what's the, so much uncertainty. When is this going to end? What is life going to be like afterwards? What's going to happen with my income? Are my kids educated? Um, are they going to go to college? Just all these things. I have friends that are pregnant, and they're freaking out about having a baby right now, Right. And so all these things are real. It's funny because I was telling you I do this because it also helps me, keeps me honest. We had Maria Sivra, who's amazing. And she spoke about the swamp and the pond. So the swamp is that we're anxious, we're scared, uh, we don't know when it will end. Maybe we're irritable with being with everybody in the close confines together, right? And we have time. And we can use this time to really work on ourselves and become stronger through this and afterwards. We have time to see our lives and to redefine and say, hey, wait a minute. Do I want to be running around like I was running around before? Do I want to be that person? Do I want to be a person who's not present to my life? Do I know where the last three or four years of my life went? Do I want to be on an airplane twice a week? Do I want to be disconnected with myself and my family? And so we have time, right? It's an opportunity for growth. 
yes, we freak out. Yes, it's scary. But there's a methodology around these things. So there are many things that I have learned recently. So in the morning, one of the experts was saying they get up and they vomit three pages. The first, they just vomit. You know, you write down three pages and you get it out of your system. Another one says it's an anxious time. So one of the things that works to have internal control is, for example, schedule your anxiety time. What's that? How do you do yes, that? Exactly. I loved it. So from 2 to 2.30, you consume news, you look at whatever, you freak out, you have a mini panic attack. <laughs> okay. And then that's done. So from 2 to 2.30, but you know it's that time. So the other times, you're not looking at the news constantly. You're not thinking about that. You're doing other things. But from 2 to 2.30, you schedule your anxiety time. Fantastic. And that gives you a <laughs> feeling of control. So it's not like, I'm not going to think of the pink elephant. I'm not going to think of the pink elephant. It's like, I'm going to visit the pink elephant from 2 to 2.30, but that's it. Then I'm closing the gate. I normally do it from 2 to 2.32, uh, you know. <laughs> you need those extra two minutes. Uh, no, no, I actually do it from 2.30 to 2.32. I think that's all of the time that you need yes. to read the headlines and, and not go into panic. So one of the things I've noticed, and I, I really appreciate how you're taking this, you know, my circle of friends includes all walks of life, including some very, very enlightened people. And I felt that the more balanced and enlightened a person is, the more able they are to actually find silver lining in this current situation, to find positivity, like you said, to find time and to think about what to do with that time and view this as an opportunity to revisit yourself. And even though I know your beautiful soul and how developed you are, you're still saying, I can use this time to train and become better and look at my trauma and do something better with it. Do you believe that this is something that everyone can do in this situation? I mean, of course, on the other end of the extreme, if you want, is people who are just constantly complaining about this, panicking about it, unable to deal with the people in their household and so on and so forth. What would you advise someone in terms of realizing that this is a given, that you're going to be stuck indoors for a while, that there is hardship and threat around us, that there are sometimes losses, but there is also an upside. How do you get people to recognize the upside? So I can only share my experience and obviously what I believe in, what has proven to be helpful for me. And we talked about this earlier as well. It's like you have an event, you had the loss of your son, I had the loss of my husband. Now we have a shared global event for all of us that is keeping us inside and making us very scared and anxious. And in this moment, you cannot make that event change or go away. That event has happened. That event is here. But what we can do is how we engage with that event. So for example, this event stinks. It sucks on so many levels, emotionally, health-wise, economics, socially, just on all sides. But what are we going to do about it? And what can we control? We can only control ourselves. So the event is not, you can have a tantrum the entire day. You can scream at everybody in your house. You can drink pills. You can drink alcohol. You can overeat. You can do whatever you want to do, but that's not going to change the event, right? As a matter of fact, it's going to make it a whole lot worse for you. 
before I was trained in this seven years ago, I had never heard of positive psychology. I didn't know anything about this. I knew that the event had occurred and there was nothing I could do about that event occurring, like nothing. I could stay in my bed for the next 25 years, event was still there, or I could try and figure out how to do this and rebuild. So first is a choice. It's always a choice. Before you feel it, you know what, guys? Do not wait to feel it because it's not going to happen. Very few people, okay? And I wasn't one of them that the feeling came first. So the first thing was like, I know I don't want, what is a narrative I want to tell myself about my life and what do I want? So I don't want to be a victim. And that's another thing. Oh my God, get out of victim mode immediately. Get out of victim mode. Again, you need to have the pity party. We'll do it like Mo says, take two minutes, have your pity party. But the worst thing you can do for yourself and your loved ones, regardless of what's going on in your life, and it could be horrible and difficult and challenging, being a victim will destroy you, will make everything worse and just incapacitate you. So first is the choice. First is the choice to say, you know, this event has happened. It's not going away, you know, immediately and it has occurred. So what can I do? And then become an active participant in your life. What do I want my life to be instead of letting life happen to you, like a little boat in the ocean, you know, what are you going to do? So how are you going to show up? What do you want to do? So for example, I want to feel better. Okay. What are you doing about that? So are you having push notifications on your phone that tell you every single news that's happening? And start noticing, by the way, keep a journal. Every time I get a push notification, I eat five candy bars. Okay. (laughs) Well, it's true. People are not conscious of what they're doing and they need to have self-awareness. And then also keep a journal of times you feel better, of days, oh my God, I didn't watch that news thing at night and I slept better. Or I cooked for my loved one at home and then I felt good doing it and they felt good receiving it. And then we didn't have an argument about the remote control or about what TV (laughs) program. So those are the things that then you start noticing and they're within your control. So you start seeing that you have control towards feeling better or not. It's first a choice. I'm choosing to grow through this. How am I going to go through it? I have no idea. I'm no freaking idea, but I made that choice. And then you start noticing. And, you know, what I did the first time with the first crisis <laughs> is that I started doing what, what do happy people do? Happy people take a shower, get dressed, and they engage in life. And then, and I had moments where, yes, I would cry. Okay, I'm crying, crying, crying. But then, okay, I'm then going out. And then learning something that is beautiful is learning something new. My God, occupy your mind in something productive. You know, we're all experiencing right now periods of, Problems with sleeping and lack of concentration and increased irritability because we're freaking out. So just know that. Take it slow. Like we said, you have time. So try to learn something new. My God, there's so many things on the internet and courses. And if you can't consume it by reading because you can't concentrate, then look at a video and look at things. And those things will help you get better. Put music on. Dance. Put music. Oh my God, you can get lost in music. And it triggers memories from your past. It can just make you feel so awesome. And with you in particular, Mo, when you put the super tramp, oh, (laughs) it just does such things to me because I remember being a little kid. My brother's eight years older. And I remember being in Nicaragua. I was born in Nicaragua. I didn't even speak English. And that music, my siblings would put it on and just takes me back. And it was a moment of 
just happiness. It transcends everything. So do that and start marking the moments that make you feel better and stop doing the things that make you feel worse. Isn't that amazing? Thank you so much, Karen. I love every word that you said. Isn't it amazing that true happiness practitioners are not the ones that are just super zen, that you know, you think they don't have anything that ever attacks their life. They are people that are in charge. We take charge because life will, shit happens. Life will always have some harshness. In always. It, right? Yes. And the trick is, am I going to sit down and complain until life generously decides to change its mind and give me something that I believe I deserve? Or am I going to take charge? Am I going to, to look at what I am able to do despite the situation to make the situation better? And, and I think this is truly truly what this is all about. One of the interesting conversations that I have with people like yourself is a conversation around the positives. Is there anything good about this? And, you know, most people who are anxious and worried will talk about, we have no idea when this is going to end. We have no idea what the economic impact is going to be. You know, what's going to happen to the prime minister of the UK and, right? And others will say, oh my God, how can you miss the positive? So what do you think are the positives that are happening in this situation? Anything good coming out of this? So again, what helps me is this idea of the swamp and the pond. So yes, we have no idea what's going to happen. We don't know how anybody's health is going to turn out. We can send positive energy and have these ideas. We don't know how long. it. That's all true. That is all certainly true. And there can be positives. My God, there can be positives in anything. The pain doesn't go away. The pain is there. The pain is real. But there can be positives. My God, we can reinvent ourselves. Who do we want to be? Because in the other times where we have had to do this, it was war. So it wasn't like a time for reflection because we were at war. But I think we are in a almost unique moment in human history where we have time to reflect and say, what am I living? What is my life like? What can I do? What can be different? Maybe in the short term, there will have to be things that we have to do. So those, you know, lost our income or our businesses and so forth, we might have to do things in the immediate sense that maybe are not as rewarding, right? But at the same time, there can be a great many of us that can choose to redefine the lives. And that doesn't mean, okay, we're going to go live in a farm far away in the middle of nowhere. Some will do that. But perhaps it's within your work and you realize that working from home, you're really productive and maybe you have kids or maybe you just like being at home. And you, I think that companies are going to be more flexible. And so if this is something that you find that has fulfilled you and that you feel that you're more energized, you know, having that flexibility to work from home, maybe there will be opportunities to then be able to do that. And so those opportunities are also going to be, I think, cost savers for companies. So maybe physical offices will be in less need. So maybe you won't have to have those added costs to keep gigantic offices and complexes. And maybe those will be retrofitted to do something else that society will need. You are the one who is an engineer. And so you have better ideas on that than I do. But I think that the nature of how we work is going to change. And I think it can change for the better. I think there will be less pollution. I think we're seeing that now, that we don't have, you know, as consultants, do you really need to be in three different cities a week? I mean, think about not only the environmental cost, 
the cost to the individual waking up and not knowing where you are, how disorienting that is for the human psyche, and then how disorienting that is for a family and for kids and the costs of that. So I think we have opportunities to kind of step back and be like, okay, we are social beings. It is important for us to create community with each other. And that requires time, presence, consciousness. And so I think that we need to go back to some of the old ways of being. Do we need to have 25 pairs of shoes? For example, not going shopping and do we need to overconsume? Do we need to overconsume? Or do we do it because we're anxious? Do we? Yeah. Is there a better question? I mean, my daughter, my wonderful, wise daughter, Ayo, told me when this started, it's almost as if God or the universe sort of raised its hands and said, you know what? I've had enough of you. Go to your rooms, spend eight weeks there to see what you've been doing. Think about what you've been doing, right? Reflect and see, do you really need to consume that much? Do you really need to travel that much? It's crazy, really, when you think about it. And I have to tell you openly, I I think sometimes people forget that it could have been much worse. Yes. And it could be much worse if we don't adhere to physical distancing and pay attention, whether you're being tracked or not, that you have the common sense to stay inside. Whether a government is telling you or not, we have common sense, we have science that says with this particular illness of what we know right now, the best thing to combat it means physical distancing and staying inside as much as possible and wearing a mask. So that's what you need to do, right? So that it doesn't get worse because it could get worse, but we need to all bind together and do this. And so one thing that for me, the way that I see it, what your daughter said is that for me, I, I tweak it a little bit because I do believe that this happens also because we over pollute and we overpopulate and we kind of go around doing whatever we want without thinking of consequences. So I think that to a certain degree, those are conditions that are there that can create a mass illness like this, in addition to the pollution, to the environment and so forth, that can have consequences later. So we have to be mindful of how we can mitigate those. But it's not that it just happens to us in a vacuum. We do things as a global community that can either help or hinder. And so the idea of I'm going to go about in the world and do whatever I want because I feel like it and I want to in this immediate moment, I think that that is not always (laughs) a good idea and has consequences that can be negative. But the beautiful thing you're talking about, the opportunities and the positivity is that we can acknowledge that, take responsibility and say, wait a minute, in the same way that I can maybe, my behavior collectively has created a negative effect, my behavior collectively in a positive way can have a positive effect. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to ask you about one specific point though, because some of the people that are out not adhering to the guidelines are lonely. So, you know, social distancing is a very difficult thing. We're humans, we're social creatures. So you have a very interesting view about that. Yes. So I think that social distancing is a misnomer. I think, you know, we need to understand that it's physical distancing for the scientific reasons of how this disease spreads. And that's what that is. But we need to increase social connection. 
because we are social beings and the number one indicator for happiness is relationships. And so we need to foster relationships. And that's why we pivoted with the Hasu Foundation with worldhappiness.com, this community, so that we can have a safe space to go there and agree that we're going to be positive about this. Yes, we're freaking out. Yes, we're anxious. But what can we do to grow from it? What can we do to support each other? It's incredibly important to tackle the isolation. I mean, before this happened, we were having huge problems with loneliness and social isolation. Huge. Suicide rates, pervasive. When we had this place open for business, right? So we need to be mindful for that. And again, what's a positive? A positive can be that you have time now. So call somebody, FaceTime somebody, you know, somebody that you haven't reached out to in a while. Text them. Text them something funny or supportive or say, hey, I'm thinking of you. What are you doing? And do a FaceTime. Look at people. Have them see you. Have them see your smile. I mean, I'm so happy to be able to see I mean, we're taping this, I think it's just audio, but it's such a difference to see your face. It's remarkable. It's, it's, we need it. One of the reasons why you, when you ask me, would you rather have the interview another day? Absolutely. I'm socializing with you right now. It's giving me life. It's giving me energy. It's renewing me. Totally. Isn't this what it's all about? I have to admit, this must be the longest conversation we ever had the chance to have without being interrupted by 200 people coming in and asking about something during the event or during a dinner. It's wonderful. I wish we can do more of that. Next time I go to Ohasu, I'll FaceTime you in the middle and we just, you know, spend some time alone. <laughs> One last thing before we close. I ask every guest if there is silver lining here, if there are things that we can benefit from, what commitments have you made to yourself that you intend to keep when this is over? Because this will be over sooner or later. This will be behind us, hopefully with the minimum possible casualties going forward and hopefully with an opportunity to recover and really, really embrace life. But what would you take with you? What would you do to make sure this remains to be part of your experience? So yes, I agree with you that this too shall pass. The nature of life has changed. So we're constantly in change and in flux. So we need to roll with that, right? Good things and bad things pass. So yes, it will pass. The commitment that I think I've made to myself is to savor experiences that I'm engaging in more. In something very silly, even just uh, making my bed. I don't know trivial things that keep me present and to think about I'm doing something that makes me feel good. And so in this sense, it's trivial that it's like making my bed, but in savoring it, I am doing something that is both functional and makes me feel good, makes me feel good to get into a bed that is made. So that I'm transposing to I'm going to savor the events that I'm engaging in experiences that I'm engaging in my life as most as possible instead of just having to check them off in a list, whether it's uh, even cleaning, right? It gives me the opportunity to be occupied and to feel useful and to do an activity that it takes me away from being bored and to activate. Um, it's physical, so I think my endorphins are moving and it's kind of route, so my brain is not necessarily engaged in thought too much, so it's kind of relaxing. 
And I really want to make that commitment to myself to be more present in what I'm doing and to two things. One is to savor. When I drive to the office, usually I'm, I'm on the phone with the team to prep them for me to get in the office. It's like, no, I'm going to put the song on and like listen to the song and listen to the rock and just like be in the moment and actually know that I'm driving down the road and I'm fully present in what I'm doing in that time, right? And so to savor, savor meals, savor people, I think that's one of them. And then to, again, have this opportunity, which I had kind of seven years ago, of what I'm willing and not willing to do in my life. And so um, I think we get stuck in this uh, doing mode and, and even when you're doing things successfully and then more things come up and then you're, you lose a little bit of the enjoyment of what you're doing. And it's not that everything in life is pleasurable. Please, absolutely not. But I think that I want to make the commitment to myself to be more present and savor the moments because, you know, we're also getting a little bit older and so forth. Not, so it's good not, to not savor. You, Karen. It's not good you, to Karen. savor. No? I'm getting older for the both of us. You're still <laughs> the same Karen I saw the first time. I can't tell you how much I adore our conversations. I'm so grateful that you shared so openly that you inspired so many people today. And it's always a pleasure, Karen. I can't wait for the next time uh, we're going to be together in the World Happiness Summit. For our listeners today, please do go ahead and check what Karen is doing on worldhappiness.com and join the community. Savor your moments. Don't be a victim and take charge and find the path to happiness and see the silver lining in all of this. Thank you so much, Karen. It's been a pleasure. And for all of you who joined us, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow me on social media. Search for Mo Gaudet, Slow Mo, Soul for Happy, or One Billion Happy. I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, there is always time to slow down. Until next time, stay happy.